I'm Michelle Ely from the Starling Tribune, an Arrow TV show fan podcast, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other amazing geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Here, we're a bunch of geeks talking about geeky things. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Stephen. But what if I'm in the mood for a T-Swift story? Chris. I've heard the X is going to give it to you. And SP. That's how we roll on Gunna Geek on Monday night. We get crazy! Gunna Geek Productions presents the official GunnaGeek.com show. To episode 288 of the officialgunnageek.com show. I am Stephen John Drew, and I am pleased to say that my fellow co host, Stargate Pioneer, is here today. Hey guys, what's up? I am here. I am batching it for the weekend because the ladies, they went on their cruise down to the Caribbean and they left me here, and I got myself sick. So I haven't been able to enjoy anything. It's and, been one heck of a weekend. By the way, for the reference, he said he got himself sick. I know it was hard to see, hear that, because uh, he's sick, but he did say sick. But while SP is bacheloring it up, we have our former bachelor as well returning this week, Chris Farrell. Hey, I'm back. Say hi, everyone, to me. Welcome back, Chris Farrell. You got yourself hitched. Woo! Congratulations. I, I did. It, it's, it's legal now. We've only been together for six years, so now it's legal. <laughs> Have fun with those taxes next year. Ugh. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to that. <laughs> I, I love that. Like, you know, we're like, hey, congratulations on the wedding. SP's like, thank God the taxes. <laughs> a true story. Yeah, we're, we've got to do the math to figure out whether it makes more sense to file separately or jointly next year. That'll be fun. Oh, I yay. This has been Adult Talk with Geeks. Adulting. Audio viewer, there was an awkward silence where we were all holding up our thumbs. Uh, yes, Chris Farrell, you went and you got a little geek on last week. Uh, do you care to divulge where you oh, got sure. up to? Sure, we were down in Uni- at uh, Orlando, Florida at Universal Studios, Florida, and also at the Islands of Adventure down that way. Pretty much just getting the Harry Potter experience on, going through Diagon Alley and Hogsmeade, riding all the rides and everything around it. And then the plan is next year, potentially, to go back to go to Disney to do the Star Wars Galaxy Land or whatever. But yes, I got to see all sorts of Harry Potter inspired things. I have my own magic wand upstairs even. It's wonderful. It's delightful. It's exciting. I have a magic wand that you can play with. Oh, well, what uh, kind is it? Is it Harry's or Voldemort's or it was is it a Weasley wand? It's a classic one because I used to practice magic as a child. Like, I, like a magician? Is it the one like you can flick and it just goes boop? Exactly. Falls over? I have pulled lots of things out of my hat. Uh, very nice. Yes. I, mean, I story. want you to do a magic trick for us, Stephen. Go get your wand and yeah. do a magic trick for the live audience here over at Geeks.Live as we stream this show live on uh, Monday at 8.45 right. p.m. Here Eastern. we go. It looks a little bit like a, uh, a Logitech Harmony remote control, but it is, it is a magic wand. And Abracadabra!
All right, Chris Farrell, since you're the one returning to us this week, I want to go ahead and give you an opportunity to talk about the news first, because we missed you last week. Everybody really only tunes in for the show for you. And so naturally, you should take the first news article this week. And by the way, when you do that, make sure you read the title bar that I, I set up on the side. So for the audio listener knows exactly what we're talking about. Go ahead, read it out right this, now. This is just taking all of the all of the magic out of this, but I have to do what Steven says because it's his show. So the topic is first look at Chris's bald friend. Exactly. I think that that's the most appropriate way to uh, capture the essence of this news article. Go ahead. So while I was at Universal Orlando, I occasionally checked in on Twitter on things. Generally about midday, when we went back to the hotel to get out of the heat and cool down in the air-conditioned room that I didn't have to pay the electricity for, so I could turn it down to 65 in Florida and not care, <laughs> I would go and see things. One of those things was the fact that, hey, there's a leaked version of the Star Trek Picard trailer that came out, and I went, I want to see this. Of course, they'd all been taken down, and by the time I got to the news, there was actually an official trailer out. So we did get our first look at the Star Trek Picard trailer. And yes, that is the name of the series is Star Trek Picard. It's not just Picard like it had been rumored. And one of the big takeaways we learned here is that Jean-Luc Picard did not take one James T. Kirk's advice. And what do we mean by that? Well, remember back in Star Trek Generations, uh, uh, Kirk asked Picard if he planned on retiring. And then when Picard said no, he wanted to keep commanding things, Kirk offered the following wisdom saying, let me tell you something, don't. Don't let them promote you. Don't let them transfer you. Don't let them do anything to take you off the bridge of that ship, because while you're there, you can make a difference. Well, what happened in this trailer? We don't know a ton, but we get a lot of scene cuts and things like that. We find out that Picard has left Starfleet, and they refer to him as Admiral Picard. So he is no longer, or was no longer, the captain of the Enterprise, presumably. He did take a promotion, contrary to James T. Kirk's advice. So in the U.S. military today, there are instances where 06 level people like captain in the Navy or colonel in the Army or the Air Force, when they retire, they receive the honorable promotion to the 07 position, which is admirable or admiral for the Navy. So that could have happened to Picard. It's admirable as well. I will say that it is admirable as well. so the implication here, though, is that Picard and Starfleet did not exactly part on the best of terms is as it comes across in the trailer while they're talking about what shook your faith in us, blah, 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 blah. There's It's a lot of voiceover with cuts to the Chateau Picard vineyards. And at the end, you get a solo shot on Patrick Stewart as Picard. But the, the implication is, is that it's been 15 years since Picard left Starfleet, went back to run the winery. And it doesn't sound as though the split was very amicable between Starfleet Command and Admiral Jean-Luc Picard. Okay, so you're right. There's a lot of shots of the vineyard. As we all know, long-term Star Trek fans know, it was foretold that Picard would end up retiring in a vineyard. We saw it. We saw, saw it in all good things. And obviously that is a legitimate future. You know that for sure he's headed that way because it was in all good things. So it's 100% true, which is all why we saw this isn't canon anymore. Mm, the it, future it, from there. No, no, that's, that's what they we averted that future. No, no. We know that all good things is, is the none. I'm just trying to do my best Trekkie because like everybody is always like, yeah, yeah, this isn't real Star Trek. 2009 Star Trek is not real Star Trek. So anyways, I was making fun of them indirectly, but 
we did end up finally getting a vineyard era Picard, and there is a lot of all good things uh, tie-ins with these shots. The best part ab- about this is if you go to geeks.link slash Picard Viagra, that's geeks.link slash Picard Viagra, you can see an amazing fan Vimeo that somebody has done. Uh, it plays very well into a Viagra commercial, the way that they've done this trailer. So definitely check that out at geeks.link slash Picard Viagra. And uh, you can see this. I'm not going to play it on the show because it'll probably get taken down and whatnot. But it is it is actually a really, really hilarious. Hila- well done. Fan edit. I it know does- why Picard did not have a benevolent parting with Starfleet. Why? Is because he let Troy take the con again and she crashed another Enterprise. But she's not on the Enterprise anymore. Well, I mean, after Nemesis, they all got back onto a new Enterprise and she crashed it. She's on the Titan with her husband. That was part of what was going on is that she and Will were leaving for his command. After she crashed it, though. Right. Because what happened was she crashed it in Nemesis because. Yeah, but but. But Nemesis took place 19 years ago. Picard left 15 years ago. Right. But there was a four year legal battle where he was like, no, she had my orders. And they're like, we told you never to. If we're going to keep her on, never let her fly the starship again. So send your hate mail to JS at That is the way to spread your opinion on why you think we went down the wrong path on Steven blaming Commander Deanna Troy for crashing the Enterprise. And hey, Get hyped, because Star Trek Picard, while we may not know an exact release date, is slated for a late 2019 release on CBS All Access in the United States, meaning SP and I probably won't see it because we're not subscribing to it. There'll be 10 episodes, but much like Discovery, each episode will be broadcast in Canada by Bell Media the same day, and then on Space Channel as well. They'll also be able to stream it on their Crave streaming service, and if you live outside North America, you will be able to watch new episodes of Star Trek Picard not on Netflix like you do Star Trek Discovery. No, no, no. On Amazon Instant Video. I have so, to say, kudos uh, to you guys. Yeah, okay. Th- that's actually crappy <laughs> because with the Netflix model, if somebody finds themselves traveling countries overnight, like maybe they just suddenly go on a trip to the, to the States or to the UK overnight on a whim, the night uh, sure. of it airs, right? They Each can, week. They can go ahead and view that region's Netflix titles. With Amazon Prime Video, no, 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 you must be subscribed to the Prime service in the region for where it's at. So it's almost like they got around all the tricky ways that fans found to watch without subscribing to a new service. I have no idea what you're talking about, Chris Farrell. I have no idea, and if uh, I did know what you were talking about, I wouldn't need to use it because I definitely, because I do pay for cable and everything, so I get to watch it now, but like if all of a sudden my DVR cut things off, I'd never have used a VPN to view Netflix. Never, ever have we tried that on this show. Just a heads up, it's not illegal to do that. It's just a violation of the terms of service. Moving on to the next news point here. This one is sort of news, but I wanted to mention it because it has reached broader control or it has been rolled out more broadly. What am I talking about? I'm talking about Google finally getting with the times of the video chat services 
For those of you who aren't familiar, Google's newest video chat service platform is Duo. For a long time, they did Google Hangouts. And then they decided they were going to try a whole new app and it was going to be called Duo. Duo actually works fairly well. I use it all the time with my wife when I'm away for work. It's really well done. Uh, I would say comparable to FaceTime. I'm comfortable saying that now. However, FaceTime recently in the last couple of years expanded to allow group video and Google Duo did not. So last year they rolled out to a couple of regions eight person calls that's right you, you could then do google google duo eight person calls but it was only select regions well now it is rolling out worldwide so that people who are using google duo anywhere in the world are going to be able to have up to eight participants on a call why is this helpful well picture this let's say that you said to yourself steven I want to have 32 people on a call. Oh, wait, you can't do that with Google Duo. So they're still behind Apple on this. Like, I don't I honestly don't see the reason to have a 32 person FaceTime. But Stephen, we're not 16 years old. I'm sure that's something that the younger generation instead of doing like conference call or aim chat, like you go back in our day where you could have an aim chat room that had multiple people on it. I think that's the target is the younger generation. Okay, fair enough. It could, but I, it could also be the business world too, because there's times where you got to bring people in from different. Let's just say that you're making it a skyscraper in, I don't know, Chicago. So you got to talk to architects that are in Kansas. You got to talk to the builders, which are in Pennsylvania. That's where the steel's coming from, right? And you got to talk to the, uh, the, the Chicago. Uh, people that are doing the permits and stuff. It adds up really quick. I could see that happening for a business application. Okay, that's fair. That I, I will stand corrected. People can retract their hate mail to me. I do, I do understand the reasons behind it. Both of those are very valid, which further emphasizes the shot that I was taking against Google is like, why, why are you celebrating eight? You're still way behind FaceTime. Bizarre to me. Bizarre to me, especially considering Hangouts, which they they did long before FaceTime, I think, or around the same. Eh, maybe it's around the same era. Anyways, they they did Google Hangouts with like thirty participants, didn't they? I don't think it was that many. I think it was capped at like twelve or something. Okay, it's, it had a lot. Maybe it eight. had a lot. It had more than eight. I'm I, pretty sure it was no, more than eight. I, I think it was just, when it first came out. When Hangouts first came out, I think it was just eight because your brother actually bridged did an early version of what we're doing right now and he bridged a uh one screen facetime with everybody on it to the other group and vice versa so everybody could okay. see everybody well in 2016 they expanded it up to up to 25 participants and the old limit was 10 is what it says this article that i'm reading okay. so so in any case 25 is more than eight and google hangouts they had done and now duo is eight it's bizarre it's so weird to me and google just another example of them being oblivious to the fact that they do have very stiff competition if they're trying to bring apple users over that's weird to I me i don't think their duo calling is what they're leveraging to bring people over let's be honest here google has not figured out messaging that's why we're on what our fifth different iteration of some kind of google video slash voice slash text calling tool 
they don't have they don't get it yet. So this doesn't surprise me one bit. And you know, to be honest, how often do I do video chats? Uh, it's when we do podcasts. So it doesn't really impact me very much. Occasionally, if I'm at the store looking to get something, I might turn on a video chat to be like, hey, is this the thing you were looking for instead of texting a message or, or texting a picture or something like that? All right. So what we've learned from this news point today is number one, you can now do eight Google Duo participants worldwide. Number two, Chris Farrell is heading back to Apple because he's a fanboy. That's the reason why right there. He said that Apple Apple is better than Android. That's what he said. I can't do the comparison. I, I have eight, you know, the, the eight fingers and I ran out of digits to do 25. So I can't do the comparison. You need a calculation Cal- calculator. Get a calculator out and do a little subtraction. Figure it out. Or an abacus. I do have a HP 48 GX in the drawer right there. I could get that out. I can lend you my TI-89. It's still got Zelda on it if you get bored. And Drug (laughs) Wars, I think. The old school DOS game. All right, Stargate Pioneer. Let's move on to your news point here, which I know you've got a few things on deck. And given that you're so sick, uh, you go ahead and do as many as you want. And we won't fault you if you decide to come back. We'll leave it up to you. Yeah, so for my news segment this week, we're going to take on space and we're going to take on how students are tackling space with student rocketry. So I had a couple of articles that I spotted from space.com. We're going to go over them because they're all related and they were written by somebody that Stephen's going to get a kick out of. So we're going to talk about who wrote them, too. So the first article was Wisconsin High School again lands the top prize in national rocketry competition. It's an article by Elizabeth Howell. We'll talk about her in a second. A high school team from Wisconsin is on its way to Paris after taking top prize at the Team America. Team America! We'll leave the rest of that statement off. Rocketry Challenge, (laughs) according to a May 18th announcement. Their win is the third time that Madison West High School received the top honors. The students will now represent the United States at the International Rocketry Challenge, which is held at the Paris International Air Show in June. The global competition includes entrants from France, Japan, and the United Kingdom. This year's contest had a theme dating back to the human Apollo missions of decades ago. Since 2019 is the 50th anniversary of the first human moon landing, on top of their rockets, the student competitors added a separate capsule with three raw eggs inside, symbolizing the three Apollo astronauts who participated in each mission. The competition required that each capsule rocket to 856 feet or 260 meters in altitude and then return to the ground eggs intact within 43 to 46 seconds. So this is pretty cool. They're going to the International Rocketry Challenge, and this is the third time they won, and high school rocketry lives on. I I love this stuff. This is great. Did you guys ever see the movie? What was that with... uh, was it called October Sky or the Rocket Boys? I can't remember which because there was a book and one was titled one and the other was titled the other. I I don't think I saw either, to be perfectly honest. I don't honest. think I have, no. Yeah, it went back to 1957 and in West Virginia, Chris, you should watch the movie, actually. And this, these guys in a coal mining town and they wanted to get out and one of them did. And he worked for NASA later on, but they actually did a rocket back in the day. So this is great that this lives on and it shows that uh, rocket scientists can be done by high schoolers. So it's pretty cool. The other story, which was in space.com by Elizabeth Howell, were 
USC students rocket reaches space in record setting launch. So a group of undergraduates launched what is likely the first ever student designed and student built rocket past the boundary of space. And this was announced by the University of Southern California or USC on May 22nd. Their achievement, if confirmed, completes a decade-long informal competition among engineering schools worldwide to create the first university rocket to achieve spaceflight, officials from USC's Rocket Propulsion Laboratory said in a statement. Internal analysis shows the student's vehicle, called Traveler 4, crossed the Kármán line that represents the international boundary of space at an altitude of 62 miles or 100 kilometers. More than 80 undergraduates participated in the rocket's design, construction, and launch effort, which included receiving clearance from the Federal Aviation Administration for the launch. So rocketry in college in the United States is still ongoing strong. So way to go, guys. I actually was involved in a rocket project when I was in college as well. It was a hybrid rocket, so it had one... Uh, liquid fuel and a solid uh, catalyst and uh, we never made it to space though so I'm my hat's off to these guys for doing it now Stephen this is for you these articles were written by Elizabeth Howell and she is a contributing writer for space.com who is one of the few Canadian journalists to report regularly on space exploration. She's pursuing a PhD part-time in aerospace sciences from the University of North Dakota after completing a master's in science and space studies at the same institution. She also holds a bachelor of journalism degree from Carleton University. Besides writing, Elizabeth teaches communications at the university and community college level. To see her latest projects, you can follow her on Twitter at Howell Space and Howell is spelt with two L's. So go ahead and follow her on Twitter. You're going to get a lot of great stuff. And Stephen, Canadian, she's going to school in the United States, but a Canadian. So bravo. I'm really surprised there's not more like like I'll, I'll be honest. It's slightly and I'm not I'm not meaning this as a shot against you by any means. It's slightly insulting that it's a deal that you have to point this out because like Canada's a big place and we also do space stuff and it's just surprising to me that we're still that way that there's not as much coverage that like it's something that's legitimate for you to have to point out right like like I'm not again not taking a shot against you by any any means I think that is 100% legitimate that you uh that you brought this up but it is slightly slightly insulting well i'm sorry you feel that way i thought it was a great achievement because there's really not a lot of journalists that are able to follow space full-time even in the united states today and the university of north dakota does have a healthy space studies program i did actually look into it for my advanced degrees as well so I think she's on a great path and I look forward to great things from her. And once again, follow her on Twitter and you're going to see some amazing stories come across that might not make their way into space.com. Again, I, I want to be clear. I am not taking a shot against you and I appreciate you bringing it up. I, I think that these sort of things is what helps people grow because then next thing you know, maybe there are some other Canadians going, wait a minute. 
that's just not right. That's why I want to help contribute to the to this coverage. And so then you get more people. Right. So I think I think that it's very appreciate. Like, I do legitimately appreciate you bringing that up and highlighting that. So thank you, Stargate Pioneer. Thank you very much. All right. It didn't go the way I thought it was going to go, but uh, you're welcome very much. And uh, we'll be talking about this in the future, I think. I know. It's always nice when you give someone a compliment and and they're like, baby salted. I'm a baby. That's my impression of me three seconds ago. Welcome (laughs) to the internet where someone is always insulted. Moving on to our extra, extra news section here. Let's go ahead and kick it off with a a one that is a favorite. Oh, yeah. So one that is a favorite of Chris Farrell, because I think Chris Farrell was the first one to own one of these Uh devices. That's right. We're talking more about the Amazon voice services girl. Uh, We know her starts with an AL, ends with an EXA. I think that shouldn't trigger your device. And in the middle. Yes. Yeah. Something like that. I think. no, No. Yeah. It starts with an AL, ends with an EXA. What's in the middle? Yes, something like that. Uh, <laughs> a T, but it's silent. That's true. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, <laughs> so last year, there was a new feature rolled out if if you have multiple of these Amazon Voice Services devices. It's quite a handy feature unless you have kids and then you make sure you never, ever, ever use it in front of them <laughs> or else they'll start to use it. And it is the announcement feature on the Voice services device if you not try this it's actually really cool you got to say is a word announce and then give a message and what and it, it will do the whole house the I whole, do it every day exactly it's great. the whole Me house too. i do it every day every single unit that you have will relay that well there was an asterisk on there because for a long time it was only on specific echo or a word enabled devices and i can't say echo because echo is is a brand of products a word is actually the technology the software which can sometimes be found on non-amazon voice service devices and now they've rolled it out so that the announcement feature is available for all certified a word products so this is important because this is going to allow some of those other devices like the sonos devices or you know, um, the Fire TV Cubes, uh, Facebook Portal, I think, has A on there. Anything that is actually certified by Amazon to be an A-word compatible device is going to be able to use this announcement feature, which makes the announcement feature even more important or even more usable and viable. Because if you go and you're like, I want to announce this to my whole house, and half your house isn't getting it because of the fact that uh, it's not a certified product or the certified product isn't you know, using the skill, then it's kind of pointless because you want to announce to your whole house. So I think it's really cool that this is finally, finally on all certified products and makes it a lot more useful again, unless you have kids, because I have yet to ever use this in front of them because I really don't want them to start at making announcements while I'm in the middle of doing a podcast. (laughs) That's fair. Now, did you know there's a Easter eggs? Like if you tell her, announce dinner time then she like clangs a triangle and stuff like that yep. right before and then says it's dinner time i'm not saying i've never used this i'm saying i've never used this around them <laughs> i've used it all uh, the time with myself 
Just you're, why you're not? gonna get in trouble when they catch you one day, and the next thing you know, someone's gonna be calling you at like one o'clock in the morning making <laughs> announcements. Don't worry, five years from now, a word will be dead when they actually start listening to this show and uh, they go check out the back catalog. You, you think your kids are gonna actually watch this show? You know what? It's gonna be their punishment. You have to get creative with your punishments <laughs> these days. Okay, <laughs> that's a fair point. Instead of having to go sit in the corner, it's go watch episode 188 of the Gunna Geek Show. Oh man, is is JS on that one? No. Oh man, <laughs> I love JS. Uh, also, I, did you see this one Stargate Pioneer that I put in the extra extra? Because if so, I feel like you should comment on this. It's all about Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk. You haven't seen this one? I have. There's some shade going across back and forth, and it's on the heels of NASA actually announcing their plan to rehumanize the lunar landscape and Mars. Yeah, so what it is, is uh, if you're not familiar, Elon Musk, he is the head behind SpaceX and, of course, Tesla, and Jeff Bezos is the head beside, behind Amazon and the space project that he's got, Blue Origin. And there is definitely shade being thrown, especially from Elon Musk, who was quoted recently as saying Jeff Bezos his idea for how humans will eventually live in space, quote, makes no sense. What he said was that in order to grow the colony, you'd have to transport vast amounts of mass from planets, moons and asteroids. It would be like trying to build the USA. In the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, exclamation point. And uh, essentially what he's saying is that Jeff Bezos' idea for long-term space colonization, so to speak, it's just nonsense. That's his sort of impression of it. Uh, Stargate Pioneer, are you transporting lots of things into the Atlantic Ocean to build SPSA? A new version of USA, SP's essay. No, but you, I don't know if you watched it or not. Yet, did you see D, D, uh, Sequest DSV? No, uh, so, uh, mm, no, I don't think I've actually seen any come to think of it. Really? Yeah. Uh, well, it, it hey, didn't you know, age well. It, well, no, it did not. I actually yeah. tried to watch yeah. it and I got like one episode into the third season. I'm said, I'm done. I, I yeah. can't do this anymore. Uh, I did watch the first two seasons though. Um, again, like a couple of years ago. Uh, so yeah, the, a lot of people are saying, well, Mark Hamill was in that too. Anyway, um, they were saying that the undersea is actually humankind's next place to colonize because space is too hard to get to. So yeah, there, there's a lot going on in the Atlantic along those lines. And laying cables for communication a lot of people think that communication between europe and and north america happens or all the continents actually happens via satellite that's not true most of it actually occurs via fiber lines that are laid underneath there and you know there's a lot of investment in that so i could see that from a commercial viable way to go forward and let's not forget that great movie the abyss oh i love that that's great you know, I have to say, I think it's a bit of a cheap shot for him to be doing what he's doing because of all the success he's been having. However, I'm okay with it. I'm 100% okay with it because I think that you need companies slogging on each other's ideas in order to keep them 
looking at what the best path is for their future and really making sure to, you know, think of things of, is this the best thing? And even if they continue on the path, it at least gives them pause for a moment to just, you know, assess things. And I, I, I'm really okay with it. I, I'm totally fine with it. Right, right. Okay. So like exploring the new world, right? So you had the Vikings with Leif Erikson coming over and then going over to Minnesota and leaving the runestone in Alexandria, Minnesota, you know, uh, centuries before Christopher Columbus came and then Christopher Columbus came and then they colonized, they did Jamestown eventually and Jamestown didn't work. And, you know, eventually it worked out, but it wasn't until years later of these companies going back and forth with each other, these countries going back and forth with you. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It's it's very similar. It's going to take a while, but yeah. It's kind of like how I run this show where I encourage wait, you wait, and Chris. Wait, wait, time out. You run? It's kind of he like how I, how I operate this show, which is having you and Chris Farrell fight amongst, amongst each other Group all the time off show. Or scissors. W We've we've learned we we don't fight each other anymore. We just gang up on you. That's easier that way. Yeah. I have all sorts of fanfic to write based off of that statement. Uh, finally, it, uh, let's talk about our last news point here before we close up the show, which is something that we were waiting for Chris Farrell to return because this actually was something that we really were considering talking about last week but decided it would be better to wait because we wanted Chris Farrell to get in on this discussion. Oh, and this is going to be really anticlimactic then. I know, right? Because <laughs> I don't have strong feelings on this. <laughs> I know. I, that's why I, uh, it was funny because I made this conscious decision and then I saw on social media you make a comment similar about this. And we are talking about the likelihood that Mr. Twilight himself, Robert Pattinson is going to be the next Batman. It's not confirmed yet, but it is being, quote, confirmed by other sources. It's not been anything official yet, but apparently the next Batman series or whatever we're going to call it, the one post Ben Affleck here is going to be on a younger Batman and Twilight's Robert Pattinson is going to apparently play. A lot of people are really upset about it. A lot of people think that it's terrible. How? Why would I ever you ever cast him as Batman? He's a vampire. So let's talk about it. Well, well, uh, Chris Farrell, you're fairly neutral. Wait, 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 wait. He's okay. a vampire that sparkles. You got to get that okay, right. Sorry, he's not a, just a normal vampire. That's right. He's, he's a, sparkles. Yeah. He's a sparkly so, vampire. So, so let's touch on the whole Twilight thing. It is not a series of movies for us. That's fine. We don't have to like it. We can make fun of the movies doesn't necessarily mean that Robert Pattinson's a bad actor. Remember, he also did Harry Potter and stuff before that. And everyone's like, how's this dude who did Harry Potter going to be a vampire? Go look at his IMDb. He's done a bunch of movies post-Twilight. Lots of indie, very character-centric movies and things like that. He's not a bad actor, guys. I, I, I go and talk to some of the folks I know on Twitter that are big in, in the film industry, for lack of a better term. They're big fans. They're aficionados, whatnot stuff like that. And they all go, yeah, he's a good actor. This could really work. He's got some talent. He's got some skill. And for people that are just kind of poo-pooing it, uh, here's a name to remember. Let's go back to what, 2005? Heath Ledger. Mm -hmm. When that casting was announced, I was one of the people that went, I, I don't see this. This doesn't make sense to me. Heath Ledger came out, did the Joker, blew everyone away as the Joker. and was like, holy cow, he's really good. I, I think at this point in time, we need to have learned a lesson here, which is 
just because a casting doesn't make sense at the very beginning doesn't mean it's not going to work. I'm sure there's stuff in Marvel films where we went, wait, they cast who to be this character? I agree with you, Chris Farrell, and I will actually do one better. Uh, You mentioned Heath Ledger. I will take us way back to the 80s with none other than Batman himself, Michael Keaton. Before he was Batman, he was doing excellent pictures like Night Shift or Mr. Mom or Johnny Dangerously or Gung Ho or Touch and Go or The Squeeze or She's Having a Baby, Clean and Sober, Beetlejuice. The Dream Team, all of which generally are comedies, dramas, or rom-coms. Like, that was sort of his go-to for a long time. And now everybody compares back to Michael Keaton. Like, how much do you hear that? As soon as you hear the Batman casting, let's just bring Michael Keaton back. That's that's who the next Batman should be, is Michael Keaton. So let's give credit where credit's due. Michael Keaton was essentially the same sort of casting where it was like, really, you really want to use this guy as the dark Knight?" So I, you know, I can't believe that people will in one breath compare and, and wave their Michael Keaton flag and the next just S all over the casting. It's, it's mind blowing to me. Like, look at yourself, look at yourself in the mirror. And if you like Michael Keaton as Batman, Give your help your or even if you don't like him as Batman, if you see him as a a Batman and, you know, like like a a dark Batman character and you don't think of him as a rom-com person and you can understand that he is not a rom-com Batman. Give your head a shake. It was kind of a rom-com with Vicky Vale, but also Mr. Mom, by the way, is an award winning film. So Suicide Squad. (laughs) <laughs> no, go, but, DC. but Mr. Mom is a comedy <laughs> drama, right? And it, it is not Batman. So I, I am, un, I still can't believe people do this. I can't believe people do this. I'm actually giving my good friend Robert, Rob, Rob, and I go way back. No, we don't. Uh, legal disclaimer: is We he don't. Canadian? I mean, mm-hmm. all no. Canadians know each other. No, right? but we'll go ahead and uh, say that uh, we are not friends by any means because it's true. And I, I just, I can't believe it. I'm only give him a shot. Uh, ben Affleck, I thought he was, he was okay. Like, you know, he definitely did better than I, I thought. There was elements of him that I actually thought did pretty good. There was elements that I would have liked to see improve. I think that a lot of it comes down to script as well and the stuff that he was given. But overall, he did far differently than I would have anticipated. So, okay, Robert Pattinson, go ahead. I hope this ends up being true because I'd love to see what you can bring to the table. Look, everyone pooped on Ben Affleck as Batman, and Mm -hmm. I don't think Batfleck was a bad thing. There are different issues with those DC movies, but I don't think Ben Affleck was bad as Batman. Suncast in the chat, by the way, is saying he doesn't think it's an entirely fair comparison. I think it's entirely fair because Michael Keaton's history before Batman was not an action film at all. At all. And we don't know what the direction is of this next trilogy of Batman. Maybe it's going to end up or whatever. Maybe it's going to end up being a little bit different and not as dark as we have been seeing. Because if you haven't gathered, the bottom line is. 
these dark DC films are not getting the same pull as Marvel. Maybe we're going to see a little lighter note. We don't know. We don't know what their plan is. So, well, I, so I think supposedly it's supposedly Matt Reeves is going the detective noir route. Like we haven't really seen Batman as the detective outside of Batman, the animated series. So I'm cautiously optimistic if that's the case, if we're getting smart Batman who solves crimes with his brain first versus, you know, punching everything. That's not to say there isn't a place for Batman to punch everything, but we really haven't gotten detective Batman that much in any of the Batman live action movies. What are you talking about that Michael Keaton didn't do action stuff? I mean, he had a deal with a baby that ate chili in Mr. Mom. That's action right there. Fair point. Uh, and I, okay, I may have just disagreed with Suncast, but I will now turn around and agree with him where he is now saying, let's be real here. Does any of this actually matter in the end? It's DC. Fair point, Suncast. Game, set, match on your part. SP, anything that you want to chime in here since Chris Farrell came back and totally, utterly let us down because he was supposed to be angry? It's hard for me to get passionate about the character of Batman because I am not a Batman fan. It's just too dark, too noir for me in general. And I realize that's where the character is. And because of that, I'm, I'm just not into Batman anymore like I used to be. And I... We'll see. It's hard to judge until you actually see it on the camera. I mean, take a look at everybody in the Marvel Universe. Did you see different people? Did you see Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man? Really? I mean, if anybody saw that, then let me know, because I did not see him as an action star of the Iron Man. The Tony Stark version, yes, but not the action star. So, I mean, we'll see. I agree. And I think I think that Robert Downey Jr. is actually a really good example on some of this as well, because if you remember when he was cast in this, he was basically blacklisted from Hollywood at that point. He, he had gone down a very, very rough path and nobody really wanted to have him involved with projects. So there was a lot of red flags with that. And look how well it worked out. So, yeah, well, that's why they got him super cheap in the first movie. Like, even I think he made like the third most amount of money out of any of the actors in that movie. Like I think Terrence Howard and Jeff Bridges both made more than Robert Downey Jr. And that was one of the reasons why Terrence Howard left in Iron Man two is he was like, well, what, why is he getting paid so much more than me? And I wanted to be like, well, cause he's the main actor. <laughs> and I could see Jeff Bridges in that first one, making more than Robert Downey Jr. Because he was the gravitas to that film. So I, I get that part. And Robert Downey Jr. did do action films before he came on board, too. He did Air America, so one could argue that's an action film. So, uh, anyway. Yeah. But casting arguments are they're fun debates we can have. But here's the thing. You never know what you're going to see until you get it on screen. And the best example... Wait a minute, again, wait a minute. We'll go back. Did, you, did you just go Forrest Gump on me? Did you just go <laughs> castings like a box of chocolates? You never know what you're going to get? Uh, I like it. I mean, effectively, <laughs> yes. But let's be honest. People complain. They don't like something. And then you see how it gets handled by the actor and the director pairing and how they work with the script. And you lose that thought of, oh, I don't think this is going to work. Because let's be honest, Robert Downey Jr. worked. There are a lot of people that question that. Again, Heath Ledger's the big example we go back to. It worked. He made his own iconic, interesting Joker. Now, some people would argue the Jared Leto Joker worked. I don't think so. But there's other people that think it worked. And there's some of us that still go, 
I don't get this casting. Let's wait and see. And I think that I was proven right. My initial gut impression, like, I don't see this, but that's neither here nor there. As long as people enjoy it for the most part, that's all that matters. And it's really just not worth getting up in arms anymore about, oh, I don't see this guy as this character. Well, who cares? Wait and see what it looks like. Then you can form an opinion. Don't form an opinion because you're like, he's never done movies like this. He's going to be terrible. That That's not valid. They're actors. Their job is to be able to change and shape themselves to a role and portray a character. Just because they haven't done it before doesn't mean they can't. And when in doubt, just remember what Suncast said. It's DC. And what does that mean? You don't like this version in another three years, you'll have another Batman. It's just the way it works. See, I don't think that's fair. I think they're actually <laughs> getting their, their stuff together because Shazam was delightful. Aquaman, well, I don't think it's the greatest. I think it was enjoyable and it was fun. They got out of their grim dark phase. That's important. So I think they're well, starting to... You had to a shirtless Jason Momoa. I mean, what's, what, I mean what, what's your problem with that, Chris? I have no problem with that. Okay. I mean, that was good. Wonder Woman was good. It, and yeah. one could argue the Flash with Ezra Miller might be good or not. I don't know. We'll see. Is that delayed? I think it's delayed. I was going to say, is that even actually happening? I feel like it's going to get canned. I think he is still, I think Ezra is keeping that alive himself. But I, I think the other movies were canned. Okay. So let us know what's your thoughts. Do you hate what we said? Do you love what we we said? Tweet us at Gunna Geek or send a tweet to at the Chris Farrell and tell him all the reasons you disagree with him at the Chris Farrell. That's that's who you want to get in touch with at the Chris if, Farrell. If you disagree with my thought of taking a wait and see approach, then you're just irrash, unrash, irrational. Excuse me. Whichever one, unrational, irrational, a rash on you, any of them, you can tweet Chris Farrell at the Chris Farrell, especially don't, pictures. Don't send me pictures of the rash. I don't want that. Why? Why not? <laughs> Before we go, Chris Farrell, do you have anything that you'd like to plug or promote? Uh, no, because I don't know what's going on in the world. I just got back in town on Saturday and have gradually started working my way back into knowing what's going on. So I have nothing to plug and promote, but I'll say, hey, guys, don't forget, we stream a bunch of live content over at Gunna Geek. Head on over to geeks.live. You can see a live calendar at the bottom of the page. It'll show you the upcoming calendar of live events. And please drop by, see some other live shows. SP, is there anything that you want to plug or promote? I just want to officially congratulate Chris on his marriage. And I hope it lasts many, many years and you guys get out of the marriage with what you want. You know, at one point in time, you say, I hope you have a lot of kids, whatever. Well, that's not the thing for people these days, not all the time. So I just hope you get out of the marriage that what you want to get out of it. And congratulations. And uh, we look forward to seeing your wife taking your spot on the show eventually. That would be interesting, actually. I would pay money to see that. For reference, by the way, Stargate Pioneers, uh, we've just established now his, you know, congratulatory message for somebody is the quote, the following. I hope you get out of the marriage End quote. That's what he said. You can hear the section. That's exactly what he said. That's how he congratulates people on the wedding. I'm sick. So not all the words are coming out of my mouth. <laughs> Seriously, though, SP, thank you very much for saying that, because I also wanted to say that. And now I can just say ditto, ditto. So ditto, you hope Chris gets out of the marriage or you hope Chris gets out of the marriage with what he wants. For episode 288 of the official getting show. I'm Stephen John Drew. I'm married. 
I'm SP and I'm married too. I'm Chris and I'm married too. I had to do it. I had to do it. I know. Lamest ending ever, but not for Chris. I mean, we we just really reduced our demographic a lot because now we're three white married dudes. He's still eating wedding cake. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>